Tonight I'm going to start out by reading a story in the Old Testament. If I were to title this message, it would be Vessels of Honor. How many of you want to be a vessel of honor unto the Lord? Praise His name. Well, I recently heard a minister preaching on, out of this text, and it was just so enlightening to me, the different uh, things that were pointed out in it. So we're going to start tonight in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now this message is based, the story is based on a widow woman whose sons were about to be sold into slavery because of a debt that she could not pay. And so she called out to the prophet Elijah. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of prophet cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. I think that's interesting right there. Her husband was a man of God. He had been a servant unto the prophet of God. He wasn't a bad person. He was a good person. But this was just the law in that day. When, if a husband died and there was no way of making income, this is what happened. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons shall live on the rest. There's so much in this story that we can apply to our lives. Of course, it was a real story and it happened. And thank God her sons were not sold into slavery and their debt was, was paid. That's awesome. But I think it find it interesting that the custom of that day was that the sons would be sold into slavery. And the only thing that kept her sons from becoming enslaved and in bondage to the landlord or whoever he owed money to was the oil. And the point of that is this. The devil right now through the spirit of the world, he would love to enslave our sons and our daughters. He's coming after the next generation. You look at the things that, that teenagers and young adults have to deal with in this day and age. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't rosy when we grew up. But my goodness, the things that come against them, the pull, the, thing, the spirit of the world that they have to continue with constantly. And 
And the point of this story, one of the points, we're going to look at about five of them, is this. The only thing that kept her sons from being enslaved was the oil. And the only thing that will keep this next generation, our sons and our daughters, from succumbing to the spirit of this world is the oil. Aren't you glad for the oil? You know, in the Bible, the oil symbolized the anointing. We need fresh oil. We need the oil of the Holy Ghost. Our sons and our daughters need an encounter with the oil of the Spirit. Nobody can live right on their own. Did you know that? Nobody in this time and day, I don't think, can stay free from the pull of the world unless they have an encounter with the power. Unless they have an encounter with the Most High God. Unless they get filled with the oil of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The oil will keep you from being enslaved. I think it's so interesting. And you know that I love Acts chapter 2 and the outpouring on the day of Pentecost. And tonight we want to look at just a couple of verses that point this out again about the oil is for the next generation. Acts chapter 2 and we'll look at verse 17 and 18. Peter's message on the day of Pentecost, this is a portion of it. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Now read this part with me. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And the next verse, and on my manservants and on my maidservants will I pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I don't care what the devil say. It's going to go God's way. We have a mighty move of God that's happening in this next generation. It's awesome to see men, young men and women praising God with all of their heart being filled with the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. This next generation is not going to go to hell. It's not going to be pulled into the world. They're going to rise up. They're going to dream dreams. They're going to see visions. They're going to prophesy. Hallelujah. Woo. I love the fact that when the Spirit of God moved on Peter on the day of Pentecost and he preached that awesome message where 3,000 were born again, that there was a part in there that was directed to the future. It was directed to sons and daughters that were going to come. You and I are in that number. We're sons and daughters and our sons and our daughters and our grandkids are included in that great Prophecy, the move of God, the outpouring of the Spirit, it's for every generation. The oil of the Holy Ghost never goes out. It's not old-fashioned to speak in tongues. It's not old-fashioned to lift your hands and to worship God. Our God is a generational God. He said it right here. I'm going to pour out my Spirit on your sons and on your daughters. Now, when he pours out his spirit on one generation to the next, it's going to look 
a little bit different. It does with every generation. One thing that is characterizing this next generation is a spirit of worship. One thing that characterized the outpouring that Pastor Mark and I were involved in was a strong emphasis on the Word. Thank God we got the Word and we got the Spirit. But it's going to look a little bit different. The, The methods may be different, but the message will remain the same. We were just down in Orange County. Pastor mentioned it this morning at at Rick Warren's church. Awesome church. And there were men and women from all over the country. And many of them were in their 30s. They were in their early 40s. They were young men and women to us. And they looked a little bit different. They dressed a little bit different. Their hairstyles were a little bit different. I said to Pastor one day, I've never seen so many skinny jeans. And there was a, there was a, a minister who, he wasn't at the conference, but he's our age. And I saw it that night. I saw it on Facebook, and it made me chuckle. And he said, skinny jeans and tats are in. I'm out. He just put, I'm out. But, you know, we're not out because God is never going to be out. Styles and methods may change. I was thinking about it. You know how our kids, they come home and they like to look at old photographs. For you younger ones, that's actually pictures that you put in an album, not just on your phone. And they like to look at those and they go, ha, 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 look at your hair. Oh, what were you thinking when you wore that? And it made me laugh when I was looking around seeing all these young pastors in these skinny jeans and, you know, their shirts and their tats. John doesn't have tats, but, you know, he dresses real stylish, the end thing down there. And it made me laugh when I thought about, you know, Jesus tarries. In 30 years, Olivia's going to be looking at some of his pictures on his phone or his iPad or wherever they're at and be going, Dad, what were you thinking? Skinny jeans. Ah, Probably be wearing real baggy things or something. You know, styles change. But the message remains the same. The anointing of the oil of the Holy Ghost will forever destroy yokes and remove burdens. And this next generation and you and I are not going to be bound by any kind of yoke. That anointing oil set the captives free. Can I get a witness? Anybody in here ever been set free? Anybody in here tonight joying that freedom that the anointing brought into your life? The yoke of sin was destroyed. The burden was removed when you said, Jesus, glory to God. Amen. Then another thing in this story that we want to look at. It said in verse 3, Then he said, Go, in, in fact, to 2 Kings 4, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels do not gather, just a few. Oil, this is the second point. The first one was the anointing. Is the Oil is the anointing. The second one is oil needs a vessel to be poured into. The issue isn't whether there's any oil. The issue isn't whether there's any shortage of the anointing. God's all powerful. The anointing destroys yokes. The oil of the Holy Spirit is available to whosoever will ask Him for it. But the issue is, are we going to be a vessel? Oil needs a vessel. And the other thing that he said to her, what's in your house? 
When God wants to do a miracle in our life, he looks for us to cooperate. He can just bring things down from heaven, but by and large, especially like if it's a financial miracle, he's going to say, what do you got in your hand? What do you got in your house? What can you sow? What can you give? What will you give me? And then I will multiply it. And the other thing about, he needs this vessel, but you know what? You don't have to wait and say, well, I can't be used of God. God can't pour the oil into my life because I'm not perfect. Well, join the club. None of us are perfect, but we should have a heart that says, Lord, I'm available. Lord, here I am. I want to be a vessel, meet meet and fit for the master's use. Lord, I know I've got some impurities. I know I've got some areas that need to be worked on. But here I am, Lord. Mold me, make me, use me for your glory and for your honor. I open myself up. And don't say, okay, Lord, I'll be a little pint-sized vessel. Say, no, Lord, here I am. All of me for all of you. Not a bad deal. I give you all of me. And then you give me all of you. Hallelujah. There's a story over in Jeremiah. We'll be referring back to 2 Kings throughout this message. But in Jeremiah chapter 18, God sent the prophet Jeremiah down to the potter's house. And he wanted him to see something. He wanted him to see an illustrated sermon of what he could do with the broken vessel. So the prophet goes down there. We'll look in Jeremiah 18, begin reading at verse 1. God sent Jeremiah to the potter's house so he could see it, this illustrated sermon. That wasn't the verse. I already said that. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. What did he do with it? Did he throw it away? No. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Interesting story. In the hands of the master... An ordinary lump of clay becomes something extraordinary. Give me your life, he says. Give me your ashes. He's even said in Isaiah, I will give you beauty for ashes. If you think that you're not worth anything, you're wrong. You're valuable and you're precious to him. Just give yourself into his hand. No, but just because this vessel he even sought there, it was marred. Did the potter throw it away? No. 
We were just not too long ago, we were on in Europe. We went on that, that wonderful cruise. And one of the places we visited in Venice was an island called the Murano Island. It's where the glass blowing factory was. And we saw a demonstration. It was amazing. This young apprentice, he was learning how to be a master at, at this art. He took just a teeny little, teeny little piece of glass and he began to work with it. And as he was working with it, you could see maybe there was a little impurity here or there or whatever. He didn't throw it on the ground and say, I'm going to start all over. You know what he did? He took it and he put it in the fire. And then he brought it back out and spun it a little bit more. And the impurities went away. It's the same principle with being on the potter's wheel. He didn't throw it away. He just picked it back up, put it back on there. Kept working with it. Kept reshaping it. You might feel like you're marred. You may feel like you've got some defects. You may even feel like a crack pot. No, I didn't say go smoke pot. You might feel like a crack pot. But I love something I heard Joyce Meyer say years ago. God loves to use crack pots. Because all of us came into the kingdom of God with defects and cracks and mars. But he just puts us on that wheel and he keeps working with us. Hallelujah. Until he makes something beautiful. Something complete, something whole. So if the devil lies to you and he says, you're useless, you messed up here again and again, and you got this crack there, this mar there, say, I might not be perfect yet, but my heart is perfect. And here I stand, Lord, put me right back on the wheel. I'm willing to let you work with me. I'm willing to let you mold me. I open myself up any area that there needs to be some adjustments in or some change in here. I am Lord. Use me. God's not looking for perfection, but He's looking for availability. And He's looking for a heart that's willing to be used and willing to say, okay, work in me. Do what you need to do. I'm sure that uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes, he got the name for his church out of this scripture. It's called the Potter's House. There in Texas, that wonderful ministry. And one of the things that his ministry specializes in is building broken lives. That's the heart of the Father. That's our heart. We want people that come in from the north, the south, the east and the west. That come in from every walk of life, from every situation, from difficulties. We want this to be a place of healing, a place of restoration, a place where people understand that we don't care about their sins so much. We care about whether they're going to call upon the name of the Lord. God loves us more than he cares about our past. He loves us. Just like we are, but he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us just like we are. He wants us to say, here I am. Mold me. Make me. Use me. I feel an old song coming on. There was an old hymn in there somewhere about mold me, make me, use me. It's a consecration song. And I think we need more of those in the church today. More consecration messages. I'm looking at a crowd. I know it's Sunday night. And I know that people that come on Sunday night, you're committed. I understand that. But could you give the CD to somebody maybe? 
just have ears to hear. We can all give God more of us. Amen. Then another thing, the third point about these vessels. The vessel needs to be clean. (coughs) The vessel needs to be clean. What did the psalmist David say in Psalms 51.10? Turn over there with me. I believe this is everyone's prayer in here tonight. As a matter of fact, let's just read it together. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I was quoting it out of the King James. So let's read it together again. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. God's looking for clean vessels. Don't have to be perfect, but our heart needs to be pure before Him. In Psalms, I believe it's 24, it says, Who shall ascend unto His holy mountain? Those who have clean hearts and pure, pure hands, clean hands and pure hearts. Anyway, you gotta be clean got to be pure. And when you are, you get a greater anointing. You get to ascend up into the higher places in God. Now, is there anybody in here tonight that would like to be a vessel of honor? Let me read you something out of the message over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. I think I gave him that scripture. I don't know if I did. I maybe didn't. 2 Timothy 2, 19-21 in the message, if you can pull it up. Otherwise, just listen. Meanwhile, God's firm foundation is as firm as ever. These sentences engraved on the stones, God knows who belongs to Him. Spurn evil, all who name God as God. And then, this, I love this, the next part. In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but there are waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers are used to serve fine meals, others to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guest for their blessing. Question. What kind of container do you want to be? You want to be a container that contains treasure or trash? I want to be a vessel of honor. One that he can present to use for his glory and his honor. Another question for you. Does a container matter? Does the container matter? Let's use a way of illustration. Let's say that you go down to Pete's and you order some coffee. And they say, oh, we just ran out of cups, but let me dig one out of the trash can here. We can use that. That wouldn't be good, would it? How about if you went to order a pizza and you go in there to pick it up at round table. And they had this pizza sitting there. And they said, oh, we just ran out of boxes, but we have some over here in the garbage. Let me go get one. Does the container matter? 
The container is not where the value is. I don't know how much a pizza box costs or a coffee cup costs. Not that much. But what contain, what the, where the value is, it's what is in the container. You and I are the containers. And it is important that we are clean so that he can pour all that he wants to into our lives. How else is the world going to see him? How else is the world going to experience his presence and his glory if they don't see it through us? Our lives are the only Bible some people will ever read. Our lives should be a reflection of him. That's why it's important to stay clear, clean and pure. It's getting quiet in this Holy Ghost church. What does it mean to be clean and pure? It means that we may have to give up some things. We may have to cut off some relationships. We may have to sever some situations to say, no, God, you're more important to me than that. I present myself as what a living sacrifice. Unto you. The vessel needs to be clean. And then another point that we saw in this passage in 2 Kings 4, in verse 4, he told her, When you get the vessels, go in and shut the door behind you. This is another important thing. Once you got the vessel, once you are the vessel, Shut the door to the devil. When God's looking for a vessel, he is going to pour his power and his anointing and his miracles and his purpose and his plan into. It requires a separation. It requires us shutting the door. It may require us saying no to some people. No to some things. I know this may sound old-fashioned, but it is a word from God, and it is in the Word of God. There comes a point in our lives where we need to say, God, I give you my life as a vessel of honor. And when we do that, He will give us His oil. How many of you want the oil? Of God in your life. How many of you want His peace and His presence above all else? Well, then we need to not just give Him our hearts. I'd say pretty much everybody in here, are you born again? Have you asked Jesus into your heart? If you have, raise your hand. You know without a shadow of doubt that you are born again. Jesus lives in you and in your spirit. But you know what? He doesn't just live in our spirit. Our body is the carrier of our spirit. Does it matter what we do with our body? Does it matter what we listen to? Does it matter where we go? Some of you are looking at me like, wow, I didn't know I was going to such a Pentecostal church. Folks, we're Pentecostal. You know what? It's not an old-fashioned message to say, give God 
you're all. Sell out to him. It's in the Bible. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And we'll look at this in the Amplified. We'll shout at the end. Just keep smiling. I don't know what you did last night. <clears throat> Do you not know that your body, not just your spirit, your body, everybody say body, your flesh, your body, it's the temple. And then I love how this says this in the Amplified. The very sanctuary woo, of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God. Now this will preach. You are not your own. You are not your own. If we're not our own, who are we? We're His. This is why we're not our own. You were bought with the price. The blood of Jesus purchased with the preciousness and paid for, made His own. Why? So we can honor God and bring glory to Him. Not just in our spirit. In our body. Shut the door on the spirit of the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. That doesn't mean that we have to be, you know, sour pusses and all dried up and look, look like last year's whatever, you know. Like we've been through something horrible. No, you can be fashionable. You can be stylish. But cover the subject. Dress this temple in such a way that it honors Him. The words that come out of our mouth, they ought to be blessing Him. It says over in the book of James, blessing and cursing coming out of the same fountain. These things ought not so to be. You're a carrier of a treasure. You're a carrier of the Holy Ghost, of God Himself. Live in us. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a Father up above, looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes. What you see, little ears, what you hear, little hands, what you do, and little feet, where you go. Not a bad little Sunday school song to live by. Rest my case on that one. Amen. Amen. Keep the door shut. Neither give the devil any place. He doesn't have a key to the door of your heart, but our actions can let him in. 
keep it shut. Amen. Then the last point, the oil. It did not run out until there were no more vessels. You and I determine how much we're going to let him pour into our lives. There's a never-ending supply in heaven. Heaven has all that we ever need. There's never any shortage of the anointing. There's no power outage up in heaven. Whatever we need is there. But through our faith, we can bring what we need from there down into our lives. There is no shortage. It depends not on Him, but on us. How much are we going to believe Him for? How wide are we going to open our hearts? How big are we going to expect Him to show out and show up in our lives? The issue is how much of Him, how much of the anointing do you want? It's not a little dab, well, do you? It's wonderful to be saved. And to know that we're going to heaven. But there's so much more than having fire insurance. Much, 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 much more. But it has to begin with a heart hunger. It has to begin with a desire earnestly. Him and the things of God. Are you willing to expand? To grow? In faith, grow in commitment, grow in service unto Him. If we'll give Him what we've got. Lord, I don't feel like I have much to give you, but here's what I've got. Lord, I'll go serve in the nursery. I'll go work as an usher. And when you give Him what you got, guess what? More oil is poured into your life. More anointing comes. You may always serve as an usher or work with kids. It doesn't mean that you're going to be behind the pulpit, but there'll be more anointing and more grace that will come upon you to serve Him with joy and gladness. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to look at just probably a couple more scriptures here. But we have this treasure. Treasure. Do you treasure Him? Do you treasure the fact that God lives in us? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We mentioned it earlier. The box, the coffee cup, they're not worth that much. But when you put something valuable in them, that increases their worth. And that's what happened to you and I. You might go to a museum and you might see an ordinary cup sitting there. And it's got this extraordinary price in front of it or value. And you're like, why is that cup so much money? Because Abraham Lincoln drank coffee from that cup. Or you might see a bowl sitting over there and you're like, that looks like an ordinary bowl. But it has this great big value to it. Why? Because George Washington ate his cornflakes out of that bowl. 
Every morning. What is the point? We have this treasure in earthen vessel. The value of us increases because of who lives on the inside of us and who uses us. Those things, their value increased because of who used them. This verse we just said that saw excellence of the power of God is of it, the excellence of power is of God. And it's not of us. But there is nothing like being used by him. Such an honor to be his vessel. Our value, our joy, our worth increases when we realize Jesus just used me. And it's not going to be, for most people, it's not going to be standing behind a pulpit. But it's going to be smiling at somebody. It's going to be reaching out a hand and greeting somebody at the door. It's going to be saying a kind word to somebody when they're discouraged. Those things are of great value. And they increase your value because God flows through you. We are his hands extended. We are his mouthpiece. And don't ever minimize anything that we do in his name. The Bible says if you give a prophet a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord, you get a prophet's reward. I'm not a prophet, but I'm a pastor. Here, Eddie, hand me that water. There you go. Brother Eddie just got a reward because he gave me a drink of water. Hallelujah. (laughs) It does matter. Everything we do in the kingdom of God, if we do it in the perspective and the attitude of, Lord, this is for your glory. Here I am, Lord. Use me today. Use me on Bart. Use me on my job. Use me just to be a blessing to whoever I come in contact with. God gets the glory. He wants us to have that attitude to be used, to be a vessel individually. But folks, we're coming up to another level in this church. And he wants us as a body to be fitly joined together. There's a wonderful scripture. I told you I was going to read a couple more. It's the last one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 in the Amplified. And it says this. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode. This house, Heart of the Bay, is a fixed abode. It's a dwelling place of God in, by, and through the Spirit. But how does that happen? When we come together in unity, when we come and we all offer our supply, when we come and we use our faith, when we come and we all begin to lift our hands in worship, we don't just stand there and stare at Pastor Tom. We enter in and we charge this atmosphere with praise and worship. You know what we're doing? We're building a vessel. A vessel of honor unto him. 
And you know, as I was praying today, this just came out of my spirit and I wrote it down. So I'm going to read it to you. I believe it was a word from the Lord. I've never said this before. Corporately, we can hold more oil than by ourselves. That's one reason why we need to be in church. Then this came up in my spirit today. We never experience the same or the degree of anointing alone that we can corporately. It's the same Holy Spirit. You're going to get blessed in your prayer time, absolutely. But there's something, we read it there, about coming together and creating an abode, a dwelling place. I just saw it like that, that we all come, you know, we're, we're open our hearts. We're all open as far as we can. We're vessels of honor unto him. But when you get even this many vessels together, guess what? It creates a gigantic vessel and there's more oil. There's more anointing that's been able to be poured out in a corporate setting. It's time for us to prepare ourselves for what he has prepared for us. Lord, we believe your word. Lord, we know we're living in a time of greater outpourings. How many of you will join with me and say, Father, I'm taking the limits off. We're expecting... The much, much more in, in this place and in our lives. Now, yesterday, um, someone put this on Facebook. It was Terry Pearson, so I know it's accurate. But Brother Jerry Savelle recently got a word about 2015. He, he seeks the Lord this time of year every year, and he gets these words from God. And I want to end with this and keep it in keep in mind as we read this that here I am Lord I'm a vessel of honor here we are Lord heart of the bay show yourself strong 2015 the year of visitations manifestations and demonstrations of the holy spirit experiencing the greater glory is still my plan and you'll see the great I am shall visit your land manifestations of my spirit as never before and demonstrations of my power from shore to shore manifestations of my spirit oh I already said that was good manifestations of my spirit as never before and demonstrations of my power from shore to shore supernatural provision and greater breakthroughs too yes this is my plan and my will for you the powers of darkness will no longer stand for I will show them the strength of my right hand I'll have my way and all shall see. No power is greater or equal to me. My people will rise up and take their place. And no enemy will stop them from finishing their race. Yes, 2015, you'll surely see, will be a year that will go down in history. Now stand with me on this part. And we're going to do this together. I'll read it to you first and we're going to do it. So lift up your hands and boldly decree. Something great is about to happen to me. So let's do that. Lift up your hands. 
boldly decree, say this, something great is about to happen to me. Something great is about to happen in this place. Lord, here we are. We consecrate ourselves to your service. Here we are, Lord. Show yourself strong in our midst and on our behalf. In Jesus' name.